So we've been making comments for five years now. That's over 100 episodes and counting. And our plan? Well, it's to keep making more seasons, even more episodes. And when I say we, I don't just mean the Commons team. I'm including you, our listeners and supporters. We can't make this show without you. We can't keep bringing you exceptional reporting every week without your support. We want to make it as easy as possible for you to become a Canadaland supporter. So from now until the end of May, we have a special deal for our listeners. Sign up now for just $2 a month for the next six months. You'll get access to all the episodes of Commons one week early and ad-free, as well as exclusive bonus content from all of our shows. There's discounts on merch, tickets to our live events, and so much more. This is a limited-time offer, and it's a pretty great deal that helps support our journalism. Just go to canadaland.com join or click the link in your show notes to become a supporter today. in a global anti-monopoly moment. U.S. President Joe Biden has made antitrust central to his administration. I'm a capitalist, but capitalism without competition is not capitalism. Capitalism without competition is exploitation. It drives up profits. Governments are suing some of the world's biggest companies to stop them from getting even bigger. The FTC suing Microsoft to officially block its planned deal with Activision. Former FTC chairman calling it the boldest step yet by the Biden administration against a planned merger. Raises all sorts of questions about the future of dealmaking. But here in Canada, it's still merger mania with no end in sight. We have breaking news and a huge deal in the business world. Rogers has announced a deal to buy Shaw Communications in a deal valued at $26 billion. A new banking giant that is emerging in Canada. The Royal Bank of Canada has just signed a deal to acquire HSBC, its Canadian operations. Most of our institutions seem content with letting the monopolies grow bigger and more powerful. But Matthew Boswell, Canada's competition commissioner, isn't happy. The Competition Bureau, which he runs, is trying to block the merger of Rogers and Shaw entirely. So we sat down with him to ask him about the current state of antitrust in Canada. And he was surprisingly upfront about the ragged state of competition in this country, about the limitations of his office, and about the antiquated laws that let mega corporations get bigger and bigger. Our interview with the competition commissioner is coming up next. Maybe we can just start off by having you introduce yourself and telling us what you do. My name is Matthew Boswell. I'm Canada's commissioner of competition. I run the Competition Bureau of Canada. It really feels like right now we're in the middle of a kind of antitrust moment globally, both in terms of what's happening on the enforcement side, on the legislative side, and even just when it comes to people's kind of popular conceptions. There's a lot of books being written, a lot of podcasts like ours being made. You know, how does it feel to kind of be in the middle of that right now to be at the top of an agency like yours when so much is kind of happening and it's such a dynamic area? I think for the Canadian perspective, It's also a bit frustrating. 
because we really aren't moving and we haven't been. You know, the Bureau has been advocating and I've been advocating personally for a long time now that our laws aren't fit for purpose. They need to be reviewed from one end to the other to be brought up to sort of snuff for the digital age, for a data-driven economy. I mean, former commissioner, my predecessor, uh, John Peckman, has described our merger laws as the weakest merger laws in sort of our peer countries around the world. I sort of feel a bit of, um, I guess, sadness for Canada. We need to get on this. Competition is the best protection that consumers have in society. Competition drives productivity. Competition drives innovation. Competition drives lower prices, better services, better products. It's so fundamental to the quality of life of Canadians. I find it interesting that basically everyone I talk to in Canada, you know, friends, family, whoever, they got pretty riled up about competition issues. It really seems to touch them on a personal level. And I wonder if you kind of feel that too. Do you, do you get that from the people in your life? You know, are they kind of haranguing you as well? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's probably uh, one of the most interesting parts of the job, frustrating parts of the job. But all the indicators are there to explain why people are so frustrated. You know, we have dramatically increased corporate concentration in Canada. We have declining business dynamism. In 30 years, the number of new businesses being created has fallen by half. New businesses aren't starting. The big businesses are getting more concentrated. There's weak productivity growth, as I've said. And that's on the private side. I think it's important to talk as well on the regulatory side. We have regulations at all levels of government in this country that impede competition. Let's talk a little bit about some of the specifics now of the act and, and the work you do. Mergers are probably the place where most people will encounter the Competition Bureau in the media, say. Maybe I'll, I'll kind of leave it open. How good are we at reviewing mergers in this country? Do we have adequate laws? And what are some of the areas we could use some improvement on? Well, I've been you know, pretty clear that I don't believe our merger laws are adequate or appropriate. In fact, I said recently in a speech that they actually can act as a barrier to the Bureau preventing anti-competitive mergers, different aspects of the law. For example, the law as it stands is if we prove that a merger is going to result in a substantial lessening or prevention of competition, the remedy that is allowable under our law is just to take the substantial out. So it can still result in a lessening of competition. The merger can, just not substantial. Whereas the United States, the law says, no, to remedy, to fix something, you have to put it back to the pre-merger level of competition. Ours allows for this incremental lessening of competition. And that standard is, in my view, not appropriate. It needs to be fixed. I think we should align with the United States on the standard. No, put, put the state of competition back to what it was before the merger. Just in case you didn't catch that, what Boswell is saying is that even if a merger is going to be anti-competitive, our laws say that that's fine as long as it's not, quote unquote, substantial. We have an efficiencies defense 
that says that a merger can substantially lessen competition. It can be anti-competitive, but it can get through if the parties can show that they're going to have, you know, what are referred to as efficiencies. For example, they're going to cut a bunch of jobs and they're going to save money that way. They're going to, you know, cut down on the number of routes so they don't need as many trucks, da, da, da. If they can establish that all that, all those efficiencies bundled together outweigh the anti-competitive effects, then the merger can go ahead, even if it's a merger to monopoly. And even if those efficiencies aren't being passed on to consumers, right? All of those efficiency gains can go to shareholders, private shareholders, and that merger is still allowed to go through, mm -hmm. even to monopoly. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the United States, they would say, okay, are the efficiencies going to pass back to consumers? They have it, but it's not an absolute defense. It's a consideration. And they say, is this going to benefit consumers? Is the company going to realize a bunch of efficiencies and be able to charge less for their product? We don't have that test. You know, people have said, oh, it's because it's we're, you know, we're a big country, but not a lot of people. And so... We need to allow our, our companies to get big so they can compete outside Canada, right? But there's a famous uh, economist from Harvard named Michael Porter, who is one of many who've shot down this theory that, oh, we need to shelter our companies domestically so they can get big and go out and fight. Michael Porter says, unless a firm is forced to compete at home, it will usually lose its competitiveness abroad. I mean, think about it. If you're leading a cozy sort of non-competitive life here in Canada and you want to go to a country where there's vigorous competition and you think you're going to get in the game there, having lived the sort of cozy life in Canada, I mean, on just on a basic human common sense perspective, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think about it like you're training for a marathon in Canada mm -hmm. and all the people that they're sending out against you, mm -hmm. you know, they add lead weights to them. Mm -hmm. And so, oh, look, you're winning every time. But then when you go run the Boston Marathon, <laughs> I think you're going to lose, you know? <laughs> That's good. I yeah. should, should write that down. <laughs> yeah. You know, I found that there was a line, I think, in the Bureau's comments to uh, the senator's study, something along the lines of, Every time the efficiencies defense is invoked, it means that there is harm that's going to happen to consumers. Absolutely. That just seems to undermine the entire point of a competition act, mm -hmm. if you ask me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's quite something. So one criticism that's been leveled against our competition laws is that the penalties just aren't enough of a deterrent. What, what do you think of that? We had an experience several years ago that I was involved in as the senior deputy commissioner where we pursued Facebook for false and misleading representations about how they treat the Facebook users' private information and who they share it with and similar to other cases around the world. And because it was under this old administrative monetary penalty cap, and they resolved the matter without going to trial. We had to give them a bit of a discount. So the max was 10 million. We fined them 9 million. The United States Federal Trade Commission, one of our two counterparts in the US, for essentially the same case with a bit more added on on the edges, they fined Facebook 5 billion. So that particular result was A, embarrassing, uh, and be very, very helpful in educating people about how our monetary fines, our financial penalties 
were maybe not, you know, set up the right way. Next summer, it'll come into effect that somebody in Facebook's situation can either be fined $10 million, three times the value or the benefit derived from their illegal conduct, or 3% of annual worldwide turnover, whatever's the highest of those three. One of the actions that the Bureau can take is conducting a market study, which is basically doing research into a particular sector or industry to see if there's anti-competitive behavior at play. We have done those market studies at the Bureau, but ours are always lacking because we don't have the power to get information from companies in a particular market or sector. We don't have the power to say, yeah, give us the information so we can really understand what's going on in that sector. So you basically just have to ask nicely and they can say no. Yeah. Yeah. And more often than not, they do. I mean, some of these cases can go on for years and years and years. It seems like, you know, especially when the market changes so much, it'd be in the benefit of both consumers and even these businesses, right, to be able to have quicker resolutions. We talk about this a lot internally, okay, about how we can move cases, how we can advance them. The issues we run into are, you know, the law and the way it's been interpreted in Canada by the competition tribunal and courts above that has become so complex that, you know, there are multi-part tests with multi-part subtests with multi, you know, and it just goes on and on and on. I mean, I'm a big believer that the world is moving so quickly that if we as a competition authority aren't seen to be at least kind of keeping up, that, you know, we become irrelevant. Groceries have been another pretty hot topic. And the Competition Bureau has announced that they're doing a market study into the grocery industry. Could you just tell me a little bit about what that looks like and what that's all about? So, yeah, last, last week we announced we'll be doing this market study of the grocery retail sector. And as I said earlier about market studies, we examine an industry or a sector of the economy from a competition perspective to try and determine, you know, if there are any issues in terms of how competition is working in uh, any particular sector. That's what we'll do in the grocery sector. I mean, as we've seen on the news almost every night, grocery prices are rising at a faster rate than they have in the last 40 years. Don't even need to turn on the news. And, I think we're all yeah. experiencing it firsthand. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's a significant issue. And uh, we want to take the opportunity to, you know, do a relatively quick study to see what we can determine, what how, how it's working. There, there's no allegation of wrongdoing. I want to be very clear about that. This is literally a study uh, into the market to better understand. And if, if we, of course, if we discovered in the course of it wrongdoing, we'd, we'd have to investigate that as well, which, you know, takes me to the fact that we do have an ongoing investigation into the bread price fixing matter. The Competition Bureau alleges that senior officers at the bread suppliers worked together to raise wholesale prices, then met with the retailers. The Bureau believes each retailer agreed to the hikes as long as their competitors were on board. Loblaw, Sobeys, Metro, Walmart, Giant Tiger, but also all of the brands they own, which ultimately captures just about everywhere most Canadians do their shopping. Competition Watchdog says it's received search warrants but that no charges have yet been laid. Grocer Metro says its Toronto and Montreal offices 
have been searched by investigators. Loblaws is giving away free groceries as an apology after its parent company admitted that it took part in a price-fixing scheme involving bread. There was some criticism at the time when Loblaw and Western Food were given immunity, basically, for coming forward on this. Could you talk to me a little bit about how those kinds of decisions are made and why some companies in price-fixing cases like this are immunized against prosecution? That's been a system used around the world, and it's, it's based on sort of game theory that if these systems exist where somebody can come in and tell the government about what's been going on, then it can destabilize these cartels or these conspiracies, and it also you know, is a way to detect them. Often price-fixing cartels, bid-rigging cartels, are very difficult to detect and unearth. But decades ago, the U.S. led the way with creating, they call their leniency program, but it is it does grant immunity to the first company or person to come in and say, I've been involved in a conspiracy to fix the prices of X, Y, or Z. These are all the people I was conspiring with. Here's how we did it. Here's the evidence that I have to show that we did it. And in exchange for them coming in, giving the evidence, unearthing the case, they get immunity. I was surprised to discover that you can't just look at market share. You mm-hmm. can't just do the simple thing and be like, okay, if company A buys company B, they will own 100% of the market. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we should say no to this. Mm-hmm. Like that is explicitly disallowed in the Competition Act. Yeah. And that seems at least, you know, that would be a simple solution in that one hypothetical case. But Or how about even in line with that, you know, flipping it on its head and saying where there is a certain market concentration that's going to come out of this merger, for example, then there's a presumption that the onus shifts to the merging parties to satisfy the tribunal or the court that it isn't actually anti-competitive. And we have to invest incredible resources in establishing that that's going to result in a substantial lessening in prevention of competition because the onus is on us, even though you got to prove it every time. And we have to quantify and very costly for a uh, public institution. Let's talk about the Rogers Shaw merger. Where does the Bureau stand on this? Back in May, we filed an application at the Competition Tribunal to block the entire transaction. So just saying no to the whole thing. The is whole thing. What you would, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, our objective was to preserve competition, protect Canadians from higher prices, poor service quality, fewer choices. We've said this in public court records, so I'm not saying anything out of school. You know, eliminating Shaw would remove a strong, independent competitor in Canada's wireless market. Shaw has proven, and we testified about this in 2019 to the CRTC uh, and provide an extensive report on the state of wireless in Canada in 2019. Shaw has driven down prices, made data more accessible, larger data packages more accessible and offered innovative services to its customers. So that's been our position. It remains our position. I think in the last many years, especially in the United States, we've seen a shift when it comes to white collar enforcement, say with insider trading, actually using undercover people, right? Like trying to flip folks, treating it like um, organized crime cases, you know, even when it comes to price fixing, is that a part of the toolkit? that law enforcement authorities kind of employ in Canada? It depends, but certainly when it comes to 
criminal price fixing, we have tools that we use often. We have search and seizure power with the pre-approval, obviously, of a judge. We can also obtain wiretaps and listen into conversations. We had a large retail gasoline price fixing case in the province of Quebec where we had literally thousands and thousands and thousands of intercepts. That's phone calls that were intercepted under wiretaps of various gas stations talking to each other. So really just fixing prices. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we have, we certainly have those powers and we use them frequently. You know, I want to move on a little bit to, to kind of big tech. This is probably the most active area internationally in terms of the advancement of competition issues where most of the discussion is kind of taking place. Could you tell me a little bit about what some of the, the challenges are in terms of you know, assessing the competition threat, big tech, or or when it comes to enforcement, as well as as what the Bureau's been working on. You know, how are you trying to push these issues forward? There's not much I can say. I can say that we do have, and it's public, we do have two active investigations, one involving Google and one involving Amazon. And they both relate to that abuse of dominance theory. Abuse of dominance, by the way, is basically when a company uses its market power to reduce competition or hurt one of their competitors, suppliers, or customers. Are the laws on that front adequate? Because obviously so much of the thinking around you know, how consumers are affected by competition issues is comes down to price. But yeah. when so many of the products are free and it's what you're giving them is basically your data, your mm-hmm. behavior, all of this, mm-hmm. you know, do we have the kind of adequate like infrastructure, almost like philosophy behind our laws in order to make sure that there isn't an abuse going on there? That's a very good question. And and there is an increasing acknowledgement that non-price effects are very important in the data-driven economy, right? And the, and the government, to their credit, in the recent amendments included, you know, consumer privacy network effects as a barrier to entry as considerations in the law, just to make it very clear for the competition tribunal, like, yeah, these are these are things you need to think about when there's, you know, a product is free. I mean, it's not really free, but that's, that's an important element. And we see now various companies, I'm sure you've seen it and your listeners have seen it, where how your personal information is dealt with in terms of privacy is a significant element of competition where companies are using that as the distinguishing factor to get your business. So it's it's becoming a bigger and bigger thing. And we're, you know, yeah, absolutely paying close attention to that. Where would you like the Competition Bureau to stand internationally? We're often perceived as kind of a second taker of policy, you know, watching what happens when it comes to other enforcement agencies abroad. You've been upfront about your desire to see the law changed. You know, do you want in an ideal world, Canada to be kind of leading the way on a lot of these issues? In terms of tackling, you know, these sort of monster issues of big tech, I think that realistically, it becomes difficult to do that when you have a population base of 36 million in terms of, I mean, I'm talking just, you know, very candidly about negotiating leverage and you know, the European Union and the United States have, you know, populations 
10 plus times the size of Canada. So 10 plus times potential customers and potential ramifications. So I think that's where the big fights are going to take place. We need to be well resourced and well tooled as an organization to defend competition in Canada, full stop. There's something distinct about Canada in how much corporate concentration we have, both historically and today. To me, it seems like it's the American factor. The fact that we're right beside this very large country mm -hmm. and there's this fear. And I think you could even see it when the people were drafting the Competition Act in 1986 that like, we need to be big in order to compete with the Americans. We can't let them come in and flood our markets and undermine us in all of these ways. There are a lot of people out there right now saying, you know what, the Competition Act's basically fine. I mean, do you see that kind of argument, that international, that American thing out there? And do you think there's anything to do that? I would turn the question around and, and you should ask that question to Canadians that pay higher prices, see less innovation, see less choice, less service in various ways. Is that what they want? Or do they want appropriate provisions to allow competitors to come into Canada? There's some things, of course, we may want to protect. Like just saying, oh, no, we're going to just shelter ourselves from the big, ugly Americans or whatever the line is. I just think it hurts Canadian consumers. You know, competition causes good disinflation. That's the fact. Drives down prices. You get better service. If there are people fighting for your business, you get better quality goods. It's everything everybody wants. I can see how corporate Canada would get behind that argument. You end up with very comfortable profits, not a lot of pressure if it's only three or four in the particular industry and you can not collude, but you can price signal to each other and have coordinated effects that allow everybody to keep their prices high. And the people who are buying those products are at your mercy. I can see why they would say that. I could see why people who represent them may say that. Are you optimistic right now about these issues? I'm more optimistic than I was two years ago. I can tell you that. We still had the same budget that we had 10 years before. We had significantly fewer people working at the Bureau than 10 years, 20 years before. And then this last summer, some changes to the law to address sort of some discrete issues is a great step forward. And I'm optimistic that the consultation will go ahead. And what I'm hopeful for, I'm hopeful that that consultation is able to hear from a very diverse group of people, including consumers, consumer groups. And I hope that we're able to hear from a lot of people across the country who represent different uh, segments of the population and segments of the population where competition literally matters to them being able to pay the rent at the end of the month, right? What they pay for groceries, what they pay for milk, what they pay for butter, you know, what they pay for cell phone services, what kind of banking fees they pay. If they're lucky enough to go on planes, what they pay to fly home to Newfoundland to see their family, you know? These are all like key issues in people's lives. And competition is a key pillar of a properly functioning capitalist economy. Matthew Boswell, thank you so much. Thanks.
That's your episode of Commons. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating and review in Apple Podcasts. This episode relied on work done by Vast Bednar, Kelvin Bester, and many others. If you want to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at CommonsPod. You can also email me, arshi at canadaland.com. This episode was produced by me, Jordan Cornish, and Noor Azria. Our production coordinator is Andre Pruhl, and our music is by Nathan Burley. You can listen to Commons ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. If you value this podcast, please support us. We rely on listeners like you paying for journalism. And as a supporter, you'll get premium access to all our shows ad-free, including early releases and bonus content. And you'll get our exclusive newsletter, discounts on Canadaland merch, invites and tickets to our live and virtual events. And more than anything, you'll be a part of the solution to Canada's journalism crisis, and you'll be keeping our work free and accessible to everybody. Come join us now. Click the link in your show notes or go to canadaland.com slash join. This episode is brought to you in part by the Douglas Mattress. Now, I've said it before and I'll say it again. One of the best, and I mean the best things you can do for yourself, is to get a good quality mattress. The time is now, people. Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress protector, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That's douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 